provide the story for the market district of downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. Man just sawed a puppy in half. Hey there, don't worry, I have a clown nose. Oh no! That drunk guy just hit my child! It's okay, I have a clown nose. Clown nose, just put one on and you can do anything. Wanna run for office? Murder people in public? Just grab a clown nose and bam, everyone laughs. Clown noses are sold at keg stores online and pedophile conventions. Grab one today and make magic happen. Two douchebags and a microphone. The number one show for people that lie about their favorite podcast. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. May your five-year-old neighbor have all their violin lessons during all of your hangovers. Alrighty. I just went ahead and cranked it up here. I'm gonna shorten out the scale a little bit. Alright, so it looks like we're ready to go. Okay, two bags. And a microphone. We are at the filthy bean in Nashville finally. Yes, as we made the trip down here, it's a lovely day in Nashville. Our table seems to rock a little bit. Can you hear this? It does, don't Yeah, we're going to have to stick something under one of the tables. Well, this just means that we're just going to have to annoy people. Yes. No, yeah. we could put something under here. Yeah. Somebody's in our booth. We didn't want to kick them out. So. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> we're nice that way. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I mean, if they want to look at a horrible plaque. Or no, we, yeah. didn't, we didn't even get on there yet. No. Well, I guess it's not technically technically our booth. Technically, I guess it's not. So. Okay. Anyways. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Um, you want to start with something funny? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, in a recent podcast, I told you how NPR was upset with Twitter because they were labeled as state-affiliated radio, which they are because yeah. they take money from the government. And also, like you said, the reaction mm. of them when Elon called them out. Not like I'm a huge Elon fan. Yeah. But when they called him, uh, when he called them out, the reaction would tell me like they have something to hide. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's been it's been no big secret anyhow. I mean, they're they're paid by the government to come up with these fucking shows and narratives. Yeah. But in the in the course of their argument with Elon Musk uh, over their Twitter label. Uh, NPR let it slip that they only take less than 1% of their overall funding is from the government. I'd like to see what they count as funding. Uh, all their pledge drives and corporate donations and all that kind of stuff. So they were telling Twitter, we're not state affiliated. We get less than 1% of our money from the government. And then the reaction of the public was, then why do you complain so much when Congress talks about taking away your funding, you say, oh, it would cripple That's us. It point. would run us out of business. We couldn't... Sur- really? Because you just told us it was less than 1%. Yeah. It's funny how it changes depending on how how they want to use it. 
you know, oh, you're going to take our money away? Oh, it's so important. It's vital. Oh, you calling a state affiliated? Huh, that money means nothing to us. Yeah, 1%. If I was yeah. them, if it was on 1%, I'd tell the government, no, we don't need money. Uh-huh. Because we're not going to put up for those backlash. Yeah, but NPR... They said no. Instead, we're gonna we're gonna suspend all 52 of our uh, NPR Twitter accounts, the ones that end with at, at NPR. And again, stupid. Yeah, and Elon Musk's response was basically okay. Yeah. So, is there anything else now? Okay, the, there's the door. Yep. Well, here's the here's the recent funny development. Um, Elon Musk contacted NPR and said. So, are you guys going to go back to using your your uh, Twitter account, or can I go ahead and assign the at NPR to another business if they want? It? NPR's reaction was to basically fall down and hold their head and scream, "Ow, you hurt me! You hurt me!" They immediately lashed out and said Elon Musk was threatening them. Threatening them? Threatening them? I don't think I was. Yeah, I saw no threat in there. And then they also complained that he was was using unreasonable pressure. And I know. All he said was, okay, if you're really done, then I can reuse this tag. But NPR was like, oh, my take on that is this right here. They've been glad-handled and fucking coddled by the government so long that they can't take any kind of criticism uh-huh. or point it out. Yeah. They're, NPR must be run by a bunch of participation trophy morons. It is. It is. Listen to their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you can't really stand down. That we would be a pompous fucking self-righteous asshole. Yeah. But the, the, also what I enjoy about this is... NPR very publicly claimed that they were being harassed, threatened, manipulated, undue pressure from Elon Musk and Twitter, but the the public's reaction is, what a bunch of crybabies you are. They are. They've done nothing but just severely damage their reputation in the minds of all but their most hardcore uh, fanatics. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, unless you're one of the... the sheep that finally yeah. listen to that. And worship the altar of NPR. Yeah. You you can look at this on the surface and go, oh my god, these guys are <laughs> They are. They're just... <laughs> god. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and if I was affiliated right now, I wouldn't be anymore. No. I'm like, you know what, you guys are on your own because... Yeah. Uh, for a large large degree, the businesses and corporations that donate to them do it because it's a tax write-off. Yes. Uh, so they're going to continue to do it until they find a more attractive tax write-off. Because mm-hmm. if they make it embarrassing to be seen donating to NPR, they're going to quit. Mm-hmm. And right now, NPR is doing nothing but embarrassing themselves. Yes, they are. Yep. <laughs> I'm loving every second of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. me too. I remember... Uh, you remember their show, The Prairie Home Companion? It was this, like, comedy, variety, political satire show. Yeah, Garrison Keeler was the host. I heard it a number of times. It was one of the stations I could reliably get while I was at work. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the show 
uh, was supposed to be sketch comedy, some musical performances, and some other little things, but it quickly became a completely liberal leftist platform for propaganda. And they started talking about stolen elections. You know, this is back when uh, Gore was defeated. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, George yeah. W. won. Yes. And then the Democrats were the ones talking about stolen elections. That was the exact yeah, term they yeah, used. Yeah, this whole thing did not start <laughs> from Trump. No, no, the Democrats did it in 2000. Yeah. Anyway, so they had so this show. Losing is what they did. Yeah, absolutely. So they had this uh, Prairie Home Companion show, and it was, you know, it was everyone's darling, and everyone talked about it as if it was the greatest thing ever. Come to find out, the main head guy behind it, the host and writer Garrison Keeler, was raping coworkers at work. Yes, I yes, he was. Yes. <laughs> and you should have seen all the people at NPR twisting and bending and contorting themselves in some kind of way to where they could still love on Garrison Keeler and the show. I remember that. They were sick. Yeah. They were trying to find some way to excuse it, explain it away. The same thing when Al Franken um, pumped that woman on the airplane. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was a liberal comic and comic writer, and then he became a, a member of Congress. And then he was shown to be a sexual pervert, too. And all the liberals just flocked to his defense. And it was it was sickening to watch. But when NPR started loving all over Garrison Keillor in the midst of all the revelations of his behavior, that, that really, really turned me off. That was it for me. Yeah. That was it for me. Yeah. Well, I never was on board with them, but I mean... I was to a degree, because they could, you know, every now and then they'd play stuff that you couldn't hear anyone else. There was, a, like, a little comedy series called The Adventures of Ruby, who was oh, yeah, a yeah, galactic yeah, yes. gumshoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that. yeah, yeah, I couldn't hear it anywhere else but on NPR, so yeah, and, uh, it was actually, useful for some things. Believe it or not... I have the box set of the Galactic Gumshoe and Home. I do too. <laughs> I actually, I had, I had a gay That's lead funny. Uh, from an ex-girlfriend, actually. Ah. She's one that turned me on to it. Okay. Yeah, so, anyway, I was like, wow, this shit's good. And she's like, no, it's on, uh, on uh, his show. Yep. Garrison, it wasn't part of Prairie Home Companion. It was just on the same radio station. Yeah, yes. yeah. and I think Garrison on South Park was named You're right, Mr. Garrison. I remember Garrison. reading something about that because they thought he was such a dickhead. But they're like, you know, we're going to make a real douchey character in I love name. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, the one thing that really irritated me about Garrison Keeler is he'd lean in really close to the microphone so you could hear all of his breathing and wheezing. Yeah, like and what did. and yes. you could hear the snot whistling in his nose. Uh-huh. And all the little nose hairs flapping around. It's like, motherfucker, get away from the microphone. Walt Bogun, before he passed away, he did a show on KCUR. Yes. And you can hear his gum flap and all that stuff. You hear his dentures slopping and, around. Yeah, yeah. dentures slopping around. And, and his marble mouth. And it was mm-hmm. just... I mean, I love Walter Dean. He was great, but man, his—he shouldn't have been on the air. Yeah, the lo- the local NPR affiliate KCUR kept him on air way longer than they should. Yes. They were milking his name for yes, ratings, they were. and, and they, the guy was just mentally gone. Yeah, and his dumb flapping and his yeah. the speech was horrible. He made Biden look like a fucking uh, like a 
like an auctioneer. <laughs> yeah, they, they had a series of, of young women who would who would host the show with them and kind of try to keep them on track. Yes, you know, but it wasn't fair. Yeah. It wasn't fair because it exposed him worse. Yes. Two douchebags. And a microphone. Mark. Topher. You said something about Blaine the Rock Johnson being in a lawsuit? Yes. There's a $3 billion lawsuit naming uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, among others. Uh, it's, uh, let me find this woman's name again so I don't mispronounce it. Former TNA and WWE wrestler Trinesha Biggers, who went by the ring name Raka Khan. She recently recently filed the court documents necessary to move forward with this $3 billion lawsuit. She claimed Dwayne Johnson um, and his business partner, Danny Garcia, made plans to kidnap her and her children in 2008. Made plans? Yes. They didn't do it. She alleges that Johnson and Garcia sent three men who forcibly removed her from her house in Tampa, Florida. She claimed she was taken to a hotel in Miami, Florida, and abused both physically and mentally while being confined there. She alleges both Johnson and Garcia threatened to harm her if she did not obey their demands. And then she's listed a bunch of other people that are complicit in this lawsuit. Here's here's everyone else she's blaming. The state of Texas... The El Paso Child Protective Services. The Las Cruces, New Mexico Police Department. Uh, The New York Police Department. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. These are all people she says are the bad guys. Wow. New York ACS. I'm not sure what ACS stands for. Something about children's services. Uh, Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity. For some reason. Shirley Police Department, the Sigma Phi Epsilon Fraternity, Suffolk County, New York, the entire county, the Bank of America, Home Depot, (laughs) and the FBI. And the FBI, okay. (laughs) I want everyone else, I want everyone to win except for Bank of America. I want them to be found liable. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay, how quick do you think this gets thrown out of court? Um, give it two weeks. Pretty, yeah, probably pretty quick. Yeah, yeah in the most most recent statement, Johnson and Garcia's counsel released a statement. They say this is just none of it's true. It's yeah. it's just it's completely crazy. Wow. Um, however, Disney has severed ties with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> you know, Johnson needs to counter soon. <laughs> Not that he'll get anything, but he needs a counter suit. He was going to be in the, in the Moana live-action movie coming up. And they canceled him. They canceled and, him. And, and Disney, Disney has, <laughs> one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst, most crooked, most creepiest companies, corporations around. They're worried about his reputation. Yeah. Oh, fuck them. Isn't this nuts? Yeah. What a cool crazy culture this can't this can't survive long I mean there's got to be a reset someone needs to come and unplug in the United States and plug us back in again I absolutely I mean 
it, this is just too much. Isn't it? It's just like, you know, 40% of everything, we're going our way down here, 40% of everything is litigation. Yeah. yeah. You know, so take your prices and inflation, drop everything by 40%, if you didn't have all this litigation going on, all this yeah. bullshit. Well, Disney uh, is losing their status as a uh, self-governing entity. Yes, I know. They battled with Ron DeSantis. They basically had all the uh, the rights and autonomy of a county. Yeah. And uh, they have to admit, I find this funny. DeSantis said, "Well, we'll just take that away from you." And Disney said, "Okay, but that puts you on the hook for everything we're." about going to have yeah, to pay, which is over a billion dollars just right up front. So what if the, the Florida lawmakers were clever enough, they went and rewrote the law on how they were going to strip them, which left Disney with all of their debt, but took away a lot of their autonomy, and now the governor says who sits on the board governing. The governor's Rick Scott, right? Um, the governor's DeSantis. Oh, DeSantis. No, yeah. no, no. Rick Scott is, uh, he used to be the governor. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, now the, the Santos is, I'm sorry, yeah. I got I got derailed there. I thought you were talking about a state senator. So. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so, so DeSantis has got his guys on the board, you know, giving control. Oh, it, it doesn't surprise me. We probably had the whole thing planned out just that. And, uh, so. I wonder, is Disney seriously thinking about moving to another state? Well, I don't know if they really can. I mean, they could. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, Orlando's just so famous for that whole area. Yeah. Thomas is right up the road. The beaches aren't too far. It's it's so iconically merged with Florida. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, yeah, they could. Will they? I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's something they've threatened, but I don't think they seriously I think they'll find the middle ground somewhere. I think they'll go back yeah. to uh, Ron Santos and say, listen, how about if we talk this over? And we stay here. If not, are you going to force us to spend all that money to leave? Mm. It's a very good possibility. Yeah. But let's talk about this and let's come up with a reasonable solution instead of fighting each other. And the problem is, is they're so busy throwing little barbs at each other. Yeah, trying to make political yeah, gains. Trying or... to make cheap headlines. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so they Nutty. both need to lay off each other a little bit. Yeah, I think so. That... Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's not like I'm a huge fan of either. No, no. So, and I'm saying this, but they need to find a middle ground because they do not need to move Disney. Disney is where it needs to be. That's where it's been there forever. Epcot, yeah. Center, all that. We're going to move every bit of that after all the money you put in. No, they would that. just have to build new somewhere else. Where would all those little fake Disney's land? <laughs> really? <laughs> where would they go? Yeah, I think... I'd agree that Disney needs a lot more regulation and oversight um, to where they're just like any other business. I would agree, too. Because um, I don't think Disney needs any more say in the state's business than the mom-and-pop market on the corner. Neither one of them should have anything to say other than what a normal voter would have. So. I agree. I agree. So I would, I'm all in favor of Disney losing some of its special privileges. So well, speaking of Florida, I got a story here that's pretty interesting. All right. You know the Florida Keys, right? Mm. Love them. Love the Florida Keys. I do too. Beautiful land. Yeah. I love the fact that you can touch the Gulf of Mexico and, and the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. All in a matter of like five minutes. Yep. 
All you gotta do is pass the highway. It depends on how busy the highway is. Yep. Well, no, you can go under the bridge. You can go under the bridge, and you're right there where they meet. Yeah, I get that. That's cool. Look at these. (laughs) And then I'll laugh. Did you Did you pee in the water? No, we didn't have swim trunks, and we were headed to Key West, and uh, we were already late for a place there. And it was like, you know, I would love to pee in the water, but then guess which way is the way in the Gulf? My guess is it would end up in the Gulf. Yeah. But anyhow. Well, I've I've peed in both the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic as a kid. Not the Pacific, because that's quite a bit colder. And you kind of lose the urge. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. How many points I get for that? Lots. That's, okay. yeah, that's, Go ahead. All right. Yeah, you can't pee in the Pacific all that well because it's really cold and things tend to shrivel. I peed in the Pacific, too. Um, let's see. Um, the Red Sea gets the most points. Oh, yeah. Because it was parted by Moses. It's true. If you go pee in that, I think it's like 100 bonus points. I would think so. What's the regular yeah. 30? You get the 30 and then the 100 bonus yeah. points. So right there, you go to the Red Sea and piss in it, mm-hmm. it's 130 points right there. And you can win any matchup really easy just on Yeah, that. yeah. And I hear recently they've started... Uh, Great Lakes? Great Lakes do not count. No. Because up here in Lake Michigan, they said that No, and then... I've heard that Utah is asking for people to come and pee in the Great Salt Lake because it's drying up. It's drying up. Yeah, yeah so they're they're paying people five dollars to come, well, come urinate in the lake. Yeah. yeah. You've heard the expression "sand yeah. in your vagina." Imagine yeah. salt and oh, yeah. 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 Not to mention, here's what I hate about drinking in ocean. Yeah. Okay, I got my yin lang and I'm taking a sip. Mm-hmm. One splash. <laughs> and you can never get rid of that salt taste. No, it's, it's, done. it's ruined. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, but anyway, they found this is a. Have you ever been to the Dry Tortugas? No, huh? Really cool place. We've been there a couple of years ago. It is an old fort. And it is the southernmost key. And it's a national park. It's beautiful. It's a very unique area. And uh, they have a beach there, but they also have an old fort there that you can walk in. Yeah, uh, anyway, and we took a, a, a catamaran there, a built-up catamaran, because it's a couple hours away on yeah. water. It's a little ways away. So if you can actually see Cuba from there. Wow. That's how far down it is. That's cool. Recently... They found a quarantined uh, hospital underwater right next to the Dry Tortugas. Wow. Yeah. So I went down to the Dry Tortugas National Park and uh, also was an old army fort. The hospital had been used to house patients with yellow fever. Oh, okay. And that's how come it's a quarantine hospital. Yeah. The cemetery was found right next to the hospital. More than a hundred years, the sparkling turquoise water of the National Park has concealed the quarantine hospital and cemetery. A student at the University of Miami made the discovery. One of the graves was identified as John Greer, a laborer, according to the headstone. He passed away November 5th, 1861, from presumably yellow fever. Okay, 1861. So probably a railroad worker at that yeah, point. Yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly, because they have the railroads going down to the community. Yeah. Uh, um, I think one of the big thing they might have been bring and it was a way to, uh, I mean, it was a quicker port. I mean, they could offload on one of the keys and then run it up by rail, and they didn't have to sail all the way up to, like, Charleston. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
I, when you said yellow fever, I thought you were going to say like early 1900s during the digging of the Panama Canal. Oh, that would because that would be a convenient place because you go from Panama right across the Gulf to the Keys and drop off all your patients with yellow fever. That was probably true there. Yeah, and that would have been like 1903 or something. Okay, yellow fever just brought up because that's what this hospital was. Yeah. Four people with yellow feet. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is. And uh, I couldn't get pictures of it. I mean, they had some pictures. It's really interesting because most of the headstones were gone. No, yeah. He's underwater. Yeah, I think it's going to take a long time to figure out how many bodies are actually in there. Yeah. And I doubt they're going to do anything about it. I mean, why would they? They're still in their grave. Yeah, yeah, I think at this point you just leave them where they are yeah. and just consider them to be buried. Yeah, and now the hospital, I don't know if they plan on doing anything with that. I guess they leave it like it is, and I'll tell you what's going to happen is you're going to have scuba. Oh, yeah. And snorkeling tours there soon. Yeah, yeah. See the old hospital, yellow fever, yay, you know. It's probably pretty safe. I mean, all those years under under all that salt water, I don't think anything has survived to infect anything. I got it. <laughs> I doubt it, yeah. So you know that's just going to be like, like any time they discover a pirate ship, give it a half a year. Yep. All the destinations, something treasure, something pirate ship. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you go to Tampa. Oh, yeah. Whether you go to uh, um, uh, Orlando, well, the Orlando area, Miami, Fort Myers. There's always a sunken pirate ship somewhere. People love to dive on wrecks of any kind, yeah. Um, actually, the most famous one that I know about is uh, yeah, yeah, Grand Cayman. Oh, yeah. Grand Cayman, there is a very famous ship there. And it's kind of argued about that. Some say it's a pirate ship, some say no, it's a like or some say, yeah, just someone with a nice ship. That it's yeah. So, <laughs> but the main thing about it is, it is right off the continental ship. Oh, wow. That island, uh, those islands there, the continental ship comes up like a mountain. Right. And that's the island. When you get up there to that ship, it's right on the edge. Yeah, just... So one side of the ship is nothing black. Wow. The other side is brown underwater. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just landed right there yeah, on the knife's edge. Yeah, look at it. It's edge. pretty interesting. Mm. And, of course, because this is, uh, you know, the last of the continental ship for a while, yeah. uh, because of the location, probably all the way to Puerto Rico, maybe, even, I don't know, something like that. Well, yeah. no, there's, there's probably little islands in between, but anyhow, uh, it's pretty interesting because that's it. I mean, you, you, one side is just nothing, thousands of feet down, the other side is other 50. Yeah, and if it had sunk just a little bit farther one direction, you would have never Yeah, it would have yes. been gone, gone, gone. Yeah. Crazy. So... Anyhow, yeah, that's pretty interesting, and I'm monitoring the story on my favorites because I want to find out if they actually do some exploring in this hospital and find yeah. out a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. The thing it did not explain is how they found out it was a hospital for yellow fever. Yeah, there maybe. There must be some sort of a record or something and right. about the proximity of it, and maybe at one point people knew about it. And then it just got forgotten, and then when someone rehashed it, hey, yeah. when this uh, when this student saw it, he was probably like, hey, there was a huge structure under there with a cemetery. Yeah. And then they probably looked at records and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was a yellow fever. Yeah, yeah, they could find maps of the time. And so 
say, and that's okay, where be on an this island. is what was here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, put it on an island. So. Yeah. So, wow. anyway. Um, wow. That reminded me, during the early, early days of the AIDS outbreak, there was serious this. talk about quarantining everybody with AIDS to an island. Yeah, because they they were afraid. Uh-huh. Like when COVID first hit, they thought that eighty percent of the population was going to be wiped out. Yeah, they had no idea what they were looking at. Is what it was. And they didn't know exactly how it was transmitted or how infectious, contagious it was. And yeah, I remember the island of Madagascar off the coast of, of uh, Africa being considered as a place to go yes. quarantine everybody on the planet. Yeah, I remember had, that oh, too. Yeah. I remember a lot of people like, do it before they kill us all, and other people like, are you guys crazy? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's never been a time in history where the good guys have been the ones warehousing people. Yeah. It's always the bad guys warehousing people. Because yep. <laughs> you know? it just doesn't work. True. Whatever you're trying to get out of it, it's going to be bad news. It's going to be bad news, yeah. yes. Speaking of warehousing, I, well, this is kind of far away. Kind of not. I'm stretching a little bit. Right? Yeah. Course banquet there. Yeah. Okay. Did you know that it did not get national distribution until 1986? I remember there was a big deal about people driving to Colorado to get tours and trying not to get caught by the Kansas Highway Patrol. Yes, because it was considered bootleg. Yep. As a matter of fact, Smokey and the Bandit. Yep, the that movie. That's where their core story came from, yep. and the guy said so. He said, yeah, it was the first rush. Uh-huh. Some people called it the gold rush. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. And it, it turned out to be crappy beer. It's so. horrible beer, but yeah. it was the fact that you couldn't get it. Yep. Just tell so, Sweetly you can't have it, boy, they want it. Yeah, if you like water with fucking, I don't know. Bear pissing. Bear pissing, uh, there you go. Yeah. So, Coors Banquet Beer did not get national distribution until 1986, which is why it was, uh, in the 1970s, Coors was not actually licensed to sell in Missouri. Mm, okay. So, you could go next door to Kansas. And yeah. Like, you couldn't get in here, and I remember people were pissed. Because they would get three two beer. Yeah, it was three two cores, and they yes. wanted the five zero cores. Yes. Yeah. The five zero, if I remember correctly, you had to go for whatever reason to Colorado to get the five zero. Like mm-hmm. you get the three two in Kansas. Yeah. So it was sold in Kansas, but not Missouri. The reason was course is not pasteurized like other beers. Ah. Uh. It you know because it wasn't pasteurized, the shipping life on it was much shorter. Yeah. You had to get in here within a certain amount of time where it was going to be sold, and the cutoff was the end of Kansas. They couldn't add Missouri. Maybe they could have gotten to Kansas City, Missouri, but they didn't want to add another yeah. state and only go to the eastern side. Yeah. So it was ice food, so the product had a very short uh, shelf life. Yeah. So when they get in here, they, you know, it had to be sold quickly. And, you know, Which it usually was. Yeah, it usually was. <laughs> yeah. So... And then the, the beer quickly became a holder's beer. Famous holders included Gerald Ford. Oh, wow. Dwight B. Eisenhower. Eisenhower makes sense because Eisenhower is from Kansas. Yes. Yeah, I put in a bunch of railing and stuff at, at his uh, museum in Albany. Mm-hmm. And he loved Kansas because his, one of his most famous quotes is, the most proudest thing I can say is, is I am from Albany, Kansas. Yep. He loved the he area. Did. Yeah. And very good president, too. Very yeah. good president. Yeah. And very good general. 
Yeah. He's one that warned, warned us about the military industrial complex. Yes, so, he did. So he obviously knew what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Paul Newman was a hoarder of it. Huh. You see, what got me was this stuff had a limited shelf life, but they still well, yeah. hoarded it. Yeah, that's that's what doesn't make sense. You hang on to it long enough, and it just turns even worse. What they meant was they grabbed as much as they could when they could, and then yeah. drank in an appropriate amount of time. What yeah. I don't think it meant you kept them in the for No, they probably meant bought in bulk. Probably. Yeah. And that's where the term pissy therapy was cool. <laughs> because if you had it sit for too long, yeah. it would have that pissy rank skunk. Yep. Skunk beer is another, I've heard it called pissy beer, I've heard it called skunk beer. Yep. That's where it came from. Yeah. Well, at least as far as I know. So we go, you got Coors, better smell it. <laughs> yeah, take a whiff before yeah. you take a swing. swig. And, <laughs> and here's my own thing on it. I remember uh, big issues locally when, uh, when I was a little time. Casey local restaurants and pubs are going into Kansas and bringing over Coors to be secretly sold. This is true, because I remember this. There was the beer you get from out back in the car, uh-huh. and there was the beer you got there from the town. The beer you got out back from the top, like uh, Jimmy's Bigger Jigger, might have been one, I might have known, but that's yeah. one of the places I remember when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I remember there being a little trouble over because they were getting accused of it, and they're like, yeah. oh, we're not doing this. That course <laughs> out there is for us. It's not for anybody else. We're not selling it It's not in the business. It's not in the building. It's out there. So how are you going to prove that this beer that's in someone's schooner or whatever is course? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if they didn't catch them red-handed, they didn't have cameras back then. Yeah. So if they didn't catch them red-handed, they, it's like, this is Miller, you asshole. Look, we got a Miller tap right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyhow, coolers to be secretly sold. The coolers are mostly kept the vehicles, and a runner would grab a frosted mug, fill it out back, and be, and be given to the customer, customer on the download. So someone would walk in and give yep. them a secret, whatever, a secret code or whatever, and go, hey, uh, 42 Eagle, <laughs> be right back. Then they have a runner go get a frosted mug, pour it out there, yep. bring it in, and act like they just got it for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smoking the Bandit movie was, of course, written about Coors Bootlegging around the Casey metro area. To me, this is fascinating because it's such a huge piece of history. Yeah. But... Really, people don't know that much about it, you know, and, and Smoking the Band, of course, was pretty much written off of that core story. Yeah. It was deviated a lot, of course, because you had a monkey, and a... Yeah. Oh, what? No, no that was Any Which Way But Loose. Oh, that's right. Smoking yeah. the Band. Was, that yeah, was Burt right. Reynolds, Sally Fields, yeah. Jackie Gleason, The Runaway oh, Bride. It. Jackie Gleason. Yep. Yeah. They had to add The Runaway Bride. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, there's Rick. Hey, hey, here. Does he know we stole his chocolates from uh, the Omni? I don't think he does. <laughs> you know, they leave, they leave us a box of chocolates because he's such a frequent flyer or whatever on yeah. the Omni. And we ate them all. <laughs> he loves those chocolates. And he told us, he said, those are those fucking chocolates are mine. <laughs> and you know what we're going to morning? We're going to eat them too. Yeah. And the next morning, yeah. we're going to eat them too. Yeah. And then we're going to go back. He's going to have to come over and physically stop us. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to tell him this before we leave. Uh-huh. Now look, uh, now this podcast probably won't be dropped by then. Yeah. But until we leave, 
um, we'll just tell them when we leave, we'll bring them by. We'll bring all three boxes by. <laughs> and then we'll take off on the plane and tell him we forgot it. Until he hears this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those chocolates are good. They leave you at the home. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is if you really smash and you fall asleep, you know, and then let, let's say you roll around on that box now. Yeah. Yeah, you can really think that you shit the bed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, so, anyhow... Two Shirley Temples and a bottle of scotch will be right back. Oh, oh shit. What's, What's that, that over there? there? Oh, oh no. It's, it's the island, island of horrible, horrible jokes. jokes. I asked my date to meet me at the gym. She didn't show up. I guess we're not going to work out. <laughs> all aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all-new Amber Herd Alert System. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. This clever machine has three distinct settings, Babbling Brook, Ocean Waves, and Roaring River for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. If you love vomit, we have the podcast for you. Topher. All right. As I told you earlier at the house when we were getting ready to leave, um, I got a uh, phone call from a uh, free vacation guy. Oh, I think we've yeah. all had those. And they're yeah. very pesky and they want money before you get off the phone. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is not an option. They, so. They're so tenacious. They're like trying to wipe slug slime off you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just virtually impossible. Yeah. After they call, you have to shower for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Crying. scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so what happened is, um, this is, oh, this is just yesterday. Mm. Yesterday morning, um, I get a call about a vacation especially priced to five different exotic locations, tropical locations. Right? Mm-hmm. All we have to do is listen to a 40-minute sell on the condos for rent or sell. Which, okay. which I know people when I've never done that because I don't want to sit there and listen to anyone I'll just pay for it yeah. and uh, they're very tenacious they're after you sell, sell, sell they really won't let you go after 40 minutes they say they do but it's usually like 2 hours before you can yeah. they finally like let you out of their evil clutches <laughs> just enough to where you can run uh-huh. Uh, anyhow, he said, you know, all we have to do is it's a 40 minute sell to the condo. The guy keeps hammering out about needing a small deposit to keep the offer. Because I kept trying to get off the phone. Let me go. Yeah. Well, I need to get a deposit from you right now so I can hold this offer for you. I said, no, you can just call back. You can just call back. No, no, no. I need to get. No, you can just call back. Then I told him, I said, well, where's your website? I'll pay it there. <laughs> oh no, I need credit for this. You can't go to the website, I won't get credit. So, what do I care? <laughs> so, I'm really dicking with this guy at this time because I didn't dare. He was pissing me off so bad. I told him that I could not deposit uh, to keep the offer. I told him that I could not make that kind of decision without my wife. So, he kind of listened to that, but he was still like, going, Well, I'm sure she'd understand. 
And then, and then he said something about, well, we can maybe give you your money back. I said, no, that's not good. I said, I'm not going to go through all the notes and the and all that to get my money back. No. I said, look, I said, I wasn't born yesterday. Once you get this money, it's going to be very virtually impossible to get back. Exactly. And I said, look at this, my wife will throw you. Then I'm probably going to be out the money. So I told him that uh, my wife was in the hospital because he, he said, well, can you ask her? <laughs> I said, well, I was in the hospital. He asked me I was going to go to the hospital. This annoyed the piss out of me so bad. I quickly came up with 7 p.m. on the side because I knew I was going to do something. I go, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. I should be in the hospital. I'll ask her that. Okay. Then he dicks with me some more. You sure you can't put it in the closet? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm like, did I call you at the same number? Yeah, ask for fucking movie or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It's around 7 p.m. that evening, sure enough. I get a call from the wall, all right? Yeah. So I answered not knowing what I was going to say. I was just like, oh, shit, I forgot all about this. Then I saw the number. I'm like, wait a minute. I remember that number. It was like 819. It's a Florida number. I'm like, okay, I remember. Okay. So I answered. I quickly pull out of my ass. This isn't Mark. He's not here right now. So, my voice is very identifiable. I can never be phone prank because people go, Mark, shut up. Or, Mark, you want me to call your mom? I got her on speed dial, you fucking heathen. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'll get off the phone. So, he knew it was me, but he couldn't prove it. Yeah. So, uh, the guy seems to be cautious. He's not sold on it, you know, of this not being me. Yeah. I then say, hang on, I think he just pulled in the driveway because he started to get a little frigid. <laughs> you know, I was, you know what? I was like, I gotta do something to this motherfucker because he's bothering the piss out of me and wasting my time so bad and will not take no for an answer. Yeah. So I told him to please hold. I pulled him around and opened and closed the door after about five minutes. So then uh, when I slammed the door shut, I go, oh, 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 something. And then I scream. Uh, no, no way. I'm not buying from the asshole. No fucking way. That guy's a douchebag and I fucking hate him. Hang up on the neck. So then, me, I go back to the phone and I tell him, Mark will call him back. Uh, hey, Mark will give you a call back. He's a little busy right now. So he's like, uh, uh, uh. And then I mention I'm his cousin, Mark. And I'm interested in the vacation. And I thought he was going to hang up on me right then. But he didn't. He's like, oh, yeah. So he just sees an open. He's like such a predator. He's got to salvage something out of this. Yeah. It's like, okay. (laughs) Then I told him that I can't make the call without my wife's blessing and she's in the hospital. (laughs) He yelled at me in a foreign foreign language and hung up. He's like, slam. As much as you can slam a cell phone. Oh my god. So I, I remember having a similar to your your thing about wanting a deposit. It's like, well, you know, you really need to jump on this now to, you know, because these might be all gone, you might miss out. And I remember telling the guy, that's okay, if I miss out, I don't care that much. No, that's what I told And it yeah. just it, it it messed with his mind. That's a Strongly, what I tell him is, is I'm not really thrilled about it anyhow. Uh-huh. It's like before, you know, people call me about these vacations. I'm like, dude, I just got back from being out of town and nothing happened. Yeah. Last thing I want to do is think about going out of town. I really don't care what you offer. Me. Yeah. yeah. But this is in Aruba. Been there. Love it. Yeah. And you're where I want to be right now, where I'm at now, but you're fucking bothering me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 
I had a, a customer on one of my mail routes trying to sell me her timeshare, and it was down. Yeah, it was down in the Ozarks, and she approached it as. Um, first, she asked, "Are you married?" And I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well." Well, you want to see my dick? <laughs> she said. You need to buy this timeshare. Your wife would love this vacation. Oh, there are, you know, there's all these places to shop down there. There's just all the kind of shopping line. Yeah. And I said, yeah, my wife doesn't like to shop. Every woman likes to shop. Well, she doesn't. I said, she doesn't. <laughs> and she kept going on and on about it. Was this single? No, this is my, my first wife. Oh, oh, the devil? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... But the the backstory on this woman, she was That was me saying it, not Christopher. Yeah. That was me. At the time I'd say she was probably mid sixties. Um, but doing everything possible to look like she was still in her twenties. Oh, one of those. Uh, former flight attendant. Mm-hmm. Um, married a wealthy guy. Mm-hmm. And then he divorced her and moved out. And she was left with this very expensive, very large house. There's, uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, there's a. a How did he transfer the timeshare to her? She probably got it in the divorce. I think she would have like protested, said, "I don't want that." Thing. Who knows? So, uh, so she or she was in this big house all by herself. Um, she acted like the kind of person who got through life on her looks. All of her life, and now they were gone, and she was alone, and she was slowly going stir crazy in this big house, and she couldn't figure out why she didn't have some rich man there to take care of her. And she was she got progressively more odd. You know, I don't think she was really crazy, but she was starting to kind of lose touch a little bit, and she kept coming out and hammering me about this. This uh, timeshare, and uh, and then she started getting flirty at one point. It's like, oh my god, is this how you've done everything in your life? Is you just she, yeah, imply that you'll have sex to. with the guy and that's then what get she him to, to. Yeah. It's just like a guy that's got a Neanderthal. Right. He might yell at you a little bit, but he's eventually going to resort to violence because that's what his only thing yeah. is known for. This is no different. I mean, only recording. This is like, well, you know what? I can get my way. All I gotta do is just turn on the court and just, I didn't want to do it, but he's making me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it just kind of horrified me. It's like, she knows I'm married. I think he's got a Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Sure. I got the same one. She knows I was married. She knew I was married. There was at least a 30 year age gap. And she had every opportunity to blackmail and extort me after the fact. You know, call my boss and say I broke in and forced myself on her. Call my wife and say your husband's cheating with me. Blah, blah. She was a crazy person. Yeah, I so, bet you were worried about her doing that one too. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, I gotta distance myself somehow or she's just gonna start making accusations anyway. Yeah, that's where she's gonna reserve reserve yeah. because that's the only thing she's had any power over I, I, I kind of lucked out in a way because another thing she kept complaining about was the fact that she got her mail at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And she said, my friend gets her mail at 10 in the morning. 
went to my camp. I said, well, you're at the end of my route. I have to start, you know, at this spot, and then by the time I get here, it's the end of the day. Well, you should just come over and deliver our meal early. I said, that's up to my boss. I have to do it in order. Here, call him and flirt with him. Yeah, you know, I did. I gave, I said, here's his name, here's his number. You know, if he tells me it's okay to start doing it differently. And he didn't. Then, 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 well, part of it was I was going to let the boss tell her, uh-uh, it ain't happening. And then also I wanted the boss to get a sense of how nutso she was. Oh, that's a great idea. Yes. yes. Already established that she's uh-huh. nuts. Uh-huh. Whenever something's said, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that crazy picture. Yeah. So when I went back to the office, I, I, you know, he said, you know, this woman on your route called up complaining you're always there too late. And I said, too late? You know, here I am done with my route on time. I'm not late for anything. And he said, well, I mean, she, you're, you're late in the day and she doesn't like it. It's like, you know, you authorized me to switch the route around, but then the people who used to be first are going to be pissed and they're going to be calling you. He's like, yeah, I know. So and then no, he, we never changed it around for her. But but he he mentioned a couple of times, man, what's wrong with that woman? She's weird. <laughs> so it's like there yes, you know, you did it. she's on record as being weird and strange and bizarre. So so that would automatically cast some shame. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. That's a, that was a smart. Yeah, you know, and there there were I'm, I knew guys at that I delivered mail with that would have just jumped right at the chance and would have walked right into her house and slept with her. And then it would have screwed. I knew a lot of divorced uh, letter carriers that got divorced while on the job because they were sleeping with people on their route. Well, right next door, Valerie had someone that they were running, and because he would leave his vehicle running, and they were running for the I uh, I was in a band with a guy who uh, lived across the street from a cop, and he said she'd come home middle of the day, and uh, and then uh, like five minutes later another car would pull up and a guy'd get out and go in and they'd have sex and she'd get back in her car and go back to duty. No. Um, I saw her once. She was, I'd say, easily 400 pounds. I have no idea how she managed to pass the physical requirements of being a police officer. You know, blonde white girl, but she was enormous. Maybe, maybe she was less weight because she was really short, but she was a big, big girl. Plus, being uh, overweight is considered a disability. Yes, absolutely. So you can't fire somebody for having a disability. Yeah, yeah. not so much like her gender yeah. or, or, um, or anything else. I think more like her. Plus, the, the stress of being a cop makes people overeat. So it's yeah, part of an on-the-job. It's, it's like an on-the-job hazard, you know. So it, it, how can they I keep mean, firing them for that? Uh-huh. I mean, they do have to watch for certain criteria because it is considered like a government-like job. Yeah. Where they have to do certain standards. Yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. What I'm saying is this is probably why it's right. Yeah, the the fact that we have to have so many laws maybe sitting people in about hiring so they don't you know, 
do it wrong is sad. It is. It's sad that people don't just do the right thing. And, you know, ew, we're going to have all people of this color and none, no people of that color working here. Because you know? people want to do that, and that's sad. So that's to, why we have to have all this regulation. You want a fair, balanced, happy society. Don't pit people against each other. Yes. Put your government is famous for doing Uh-huh. Divide and conquer. Yep. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, if you heard some clipping, uh, Dope ran to his bathroom. Uh, but yes. while you were gone, Rick came up to me. Oh, yeah? Someone knocked us out. They heard the talking. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Rick. He told us to tell them that uh-huh. they didn't deliver the chocolates on the bed last night like they were supposed to. Uh-huh. And we want those and the ones for tonight, too. Mm-hmm. That'll work. Yeah. Well, I guess tomorrow morning at this point. Yeah. And that, there better be three of them before we leave here. <laughs> so, I guess we're getting three of them. It's not like you can buy these chocolates because they have the, the uh, emblem on them. Right. These are, like, custom run. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I love the name. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Check us out when you get done. What do you guys talk about? I'm sorry. Anything, anything and everything. Anything and everything. Yeah, we thought it was a catchy name. That's good. That's why we did, that's why we decided to go with this name. Uh, actually, we both kind of it. It was kind of a, a mutual agreement. We both like the blog. So it worked out. Hey, Tony, you have anything you want to say? And then come on down and sit down and talk. Thank you. Thank you. All right, take care. I love our banner. I do too. It was the first time we brought it here to Nashville. Yeah, that's true. All right, we probably should have done that a long time ago because of all the work we did. I know, yeah. It's just sometimes you, you know, you pack in the car or packing for the plane, you don't remember. Well, and also another thing is, is a lot of times... You know, he has his concourse here where he's walking by to the market over there. Yeah. That's another thing that we have in common with Nashville is both coffee houses in the pretty much international market area or semi or whatever area. Yeah. So uh, it's, we don't always do outside, but it's such a beautiful day today. Yeah. Outside. So in the banner inside, there's kind of hard to put a banner up because of the corner that we're in. Right, yeah. It would be just like everyone would have to detour around and go around three different tables. Like yeah. Maybe put it out in front or something. Like or a way to hang it from the ceiling yeah, so there's no stand on it. Yeah, we'll yeah, figure something out. Because in. now that we have a banner up here, we're actually going to get to the position. Yeah. Which is what we're going for. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> Doctor had something about some uh, i 35 Ridge collector. This is the one yeah. back about 20 years ago, maybe? Yeah, this was in uh, 2007. Yeah, in um, yeah, Minneapolis. This was Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah. Um, it was the I-35 bridge collapse. I remember that because I was getting ready, get, uh, getting ready to watch the Royals game. Uh-huh. And there was nothing on it. I'm like, what the hell? What happened? It reminds me when I was going to watch the World Series in 1989 and it wasn't on. Yeah. And that's because there was a horrible earthquake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this was another thing. The folks in Minneapolis say this was kind of like their 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 9/11 because it was such a uh, 
horrible catastrophe. The parlay into the events that we know in Kansas City specifically is the highest region. Yes, the Skywalk collapse. Yeah, good point. So, so if someone in there on the registry is high everywhere it is, yeah. the town really is deep current for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like the workhorse bridge, the main bridge. Everybody drove across it. It was like you know, it'd be every, like the Pitmon Bridge here. Yeah, yeah. Or there, and not to say not here, but there. Yeah. there right now. Yeah, it's ten. You know, to hear it's like, oh I wait, I'm there. Say that, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not physically there. Yeah. So, but anyway. <laughs> so yeah, it happened on August first, two thousand seven. Thirteen people died as a result of the bridge. I thought it was more than that. Uh, yeah, a lot more injured, but well, the high that's... agency had 176 people. Yeah, there, so. yeah. And, oh, you know what? It still sucks. You know Really. So going back to the the uh, beginning, uh, in 1964, the bridge was designed, and it was designed with a flaw, and the flaw is it only had two trusses. Now the trusses are the, the things. Because I've been over that bridge yeah. before it collapsed. The, the trusses are the things that run along each side of the bridge, you know, and go from uh, one end to the other. And it's usually, you know, you see all the triangles and all the beams and girders forming all these triangles. And uh, so that's that's the truss. Um, if you only have one truss, you've got a pretty unstable structure. They tried to do a one-truss pedestrian bridge in Florida so students could get across this major road to uh, the university. And when they put the bridge in place, within hours, major cracks were formed. I remember that. And then they tried to get up there and fix it, and while they were trying to fix it, it collapsed on top of a bunch of cars. It killed one worker and I think six people underneath it. I remember that. It was one truss bridge. It was just incredibly unstable. And this was a little bit after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. But uh, the Minneapolis Bridge was a two-truss bridge. Now, two is kind of the minimum. Because if one fails, the whole bridge is going to fail. Because you need both trusses. Um, so that was that was the flaw. There are a lot of bridges that will have a third truss right down the middle. So if one truss fails, you still have the two to support the bridge. It keeps it from the sideways motion, etc., etc. There's some bridges that have four trusses. But this one, they decided to go with just two. So everything had to work perfectly all the time or the bridge was going to fail completely. That was kind of the situation they had. And they are like, yep, that's fine. Let's do it. Wow. So uh, 1967, they are made there in construction. And there are places where three or four beams come together along with the main load-carrying beam. And they use these large plates, you probably know gusset plates, where they overlap all the different beams and then they're screwed and riveted down in place with like, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 different attachments. Now these gusset plates, and there were 112 of them on this bridge, these gusset plates were too thin. They were supposed to be one inch plate, they were half inch. So from the beginning. Oh, that's quite a difference. Yeah. From the beginning, the bridge was too weak and the gussets weren't strong enough. Um, but engineers are taught to think, taught to believe that the beam will fail before the gusset plate does, because gusset plates are indestructible, basically. Yeah. So when they would inspect the bridge, 
they would look at the beams and not the gusset plates. So, okay, fast forward 10 more years, 1977, the bridge has been open for 10 years. They decide to resurface it because the bridge is getting a little rough. And also add a de-icing system. That added 4.2 million pounds of weight to the bridge that was not in the original design. Ten years on, and they're adding 4.2 million. They did the bridge inspections, but they only inspected the beams, and the beams seemed to be okay. Now, the bridge was getting double the traffic load that it was originally expected to hold, and the weather had been the worst it had been in decades. So the winters were really bad, and all this was combining to rare this bridge excessively. And they said at that point, in 1977, it was already so badly damaged that every car that drove over it caused more damage, measurable damage. And a semi, just for the fact that it was so much heavier in traveling speed, did 9,000 times the damage of a car. Now, normally semis don't do that much more damage. Yeah, it's just because the bridge is that bad off. Every semi was like 9,000 cars traveling. Yikes. Alright, 2003, they do a bridge inspection. This is four years before the collapse. They find bent gusset plates at a certain intersection, U10 East and U10 West. So it's the exact same point on either side of the bridge. These gusset plates were bowed to the east on both of those intersections. You would think. They even took pictures of them. And you can see they're bowed. There's like a shallow dinner plate. And the conclusion of the inspectors was, well, there's no way this could have happened in place. These must have been bent during construction. And then they've always been this way. So, And they've lasted this long. So no harm, no foul, no problem. They ignored it. <laughs> yeah. All right. 2007, three hours before the collapse, it was at like 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the evening, three hours beforehand, construction equipment starts loading onto the bridge to do some more resurfacing, and they start stockpiling gravel, rebar, trucks, all on the bridge, and they park it directly over where the bench gusset plates are. They have no clue that that's what they're doing. That's just where they chose to park everything and load in a few extra thousand tons of equipment and stuff directly on top of that damn gusset plate. And uh, they said at 6.05 p.m., car number 112 pulls onto the bridge. There were 111 cars on the bridge. When car number 112 pulls onto the bridge, it collapses. Just instantly. Do you see on the video that at U10? The straw that broke the camel's back. One extra car. One extra car. Yeah. Um, In the grand scheme of things, respect. Yes. Wow. And uh, the the fail happened at U10. This the joint with the with the broken bent gusset plates. And it snapped and fell instantly, and about half a second later, the northern end of the bridge collapsed too, because it couldn't handle the strain and the weight. So that whole section just plummeted down into the Mississippi. Wow. Which, oddly enough, in Minneapolis is kind of fast-moving and 
mostly clear. Yeah. You can actually see, you know, water. It's not a big round, muddy yeah. mess. And it's done nearly as wide. Yeah. So it took a total of seven seconds to fully collapse from the start to the beginning, but most of it happened within the first second. Um, between 1980 and 2012, over a thousand bridges in the U.S. have failed and collapsed. A thousand of them. We haven't heard of all that, about all thousand, have we? No, they aren't telling us. Well, Missouri, for a long time, I don't know if it still is, was on one of the worst. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, our bridges are horrible. And I don't know if they've done anything to crack that or not, but we were like maybe number one or three. Yeah, we I have. Way up there. I am seeing some bridge and, and overpass work. But Around here, I've been seeing quite a bit. But within uh, within the last 15 years, U.S. U.S. inspectors have been inspecting in the in the country the bridges. Mm -hmm. They found 60,000 deficient bridges, huh. highway bridges in the U.S. And here's yeah, here's the kicker: 200 million people drive across those bridges every day. Those 60,000 bridges, that's 200 million people every day risking their lives, and most of them have no idea. Well, here, here's one for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Down in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, just north of there, uh, Beaver, Arkansas, the name for Beaver Lake, mm -hmm. and oddly enough, in Beaver, Arkansas, is Table Rock Lake. Yeah. Okay? They have this thing there, and you can look this up online if you want to, the Little Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, cool. It's all wood. Oh, wow. And I wonder about the durability of that. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Down, down in Warsaw, there was uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They called they the Swinging Bridge. Yeah. yeah, they closed it down and refurbished it. And then they opened it back up again. Yeah. Because a restaurant opened right there well, next to it. They opened it back up so you can walk across. Oh, yeah. No, no. And it used to be a car bridge, but now you can walk. And, and also, it was hit by a tornado in like 1860. And the original bridge was torn down. And then they rebuilt it again, and they built the exact same structure, swinging bridge. Neat. And this is over the Osage River, which is pretty wide at that point, because it's actually the base of Lake Yeah, yeah. So, they don't let you fish from the bridge. No, no, no. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you, can walk, you can walk around the end of the bridge and go down and, and fish off the bank under the bridge. Yeah, that, that place is uh, famous for um, snag and spoon bowl. Oh, yeah. Spoonbill are huge fish. A lot of them register five, six, seven foot tall. And you have to snag them because they, they don't really don't bite on them. Like yeah, you just kind of got to troll and try to snag them. They have huge trolling hooks and trouble hooks that yeah. go in the water. And you either snag one or you don't. Yep. And I find it very tedious and would never do that. No, no, you just basically drag these hooks around for hours on end and hope to just But I just grab a fucking bowling ball and throw it in a swimming pool for 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> really? It yeah. seems about as pointless. Your chance of catching one's about the same, too. Yeah. So, no, I know people that are really good at snagging swimming pools. They just learn where they work. Yeah. Where they sit. Where they breathe. Where they eat. And people who know that and know the river 
can catch that. And the thing about Spoonbill is it's really almost just a, um, a novelty. Yeah, they're, they're no really... Good meat yeah, yeah. But, you know, there is a, a designated snagging season. The conservation department regulates them and, you know, how many you can take and you know, pay for the licenses, so etc. There's so. plenty of these spoonbills. Yeah, yeah. They're very uh, primitive-looking fish, aren't they? They look like uh, they could have been around at the time of the caveman. <laughs> Very easily fit there. Yeah. They have a huge bill on them, hence the name Spoonbill. And those big giant scales. Yeah, look up Spoonbill too while you're looking yeah. at the fucking bridge. Yeah. Or what was that? The bridge? Swinging bridge. Swinging bridge. Yeah. So, anyhow. Uh, one, one last bridge fact I have for you. Uh, I remember there was a bridge connecting some of the Florida Keys, and my. Uh, yeah, that one's going too. Yeah. My grandmother said, this bridge is over a mile long. I was like, wow, that's insane. How can a bridge be so long? <laughs> do, you know, do you know how long the longest bridge in the world is today? Ten miles? Oh, no, no, no. There's an 18-mile bridge uh, just north of New Orleans. Uh-huh. It goes for 18 miles over Pontchartrain. Yeah. Um, and I know that because I made that trek many times. How long is the longest bridge? Okay, this is in China. It's the Danyang Kunshan Grand Bridge. 102.4 miles. Wow. Over open water. Okay. Isn't that insane? It is. 102 miles. That would take you like almost two hours to drive across. That would be insane. Yeah. And we think our 18 mile bridge is something. Yeah. Actually, the 18 mile bridge is the most boring bridge in the whole country. Yeah. It's, it, it's really interesting. Not a whole lot but to see. Yeah. You hear about the old 18 mile bridge. It just seems like one of those short bridges. Uh-huh. It just goes on forever. And then in a lot of places, there's still left over Katrina. Hurricane Katrina yeah. stuff. There's like boats just mangled the slime mm-hmm. up against the glass. Still in water to clean it. If you've ever driven around the northern plains, you'll see signs for Wall Drug. Come visit Wall Drug, the famous Wall Drug in South Dakota. Um, about 10, 15 years ago, they were still there. Um, and there. There's just tons of signs. You know, some of them are kind of clever. They've been there forever. But if you go there, it's really disappointing. There's just this tiny little hole in the wall with cheap merchandise, junky merchandise, and uh, I think one of their claim to fame was they were the, one of the original places you could get a jackalope, yes. which is a jackrabbit with deer antlers stuck on it, so so that's one of those things that, you know, oh, wall drug, let's go to wall drug, and then you go there and you're like, eh. I think the famous story was Billy Carter was attacked by a jackalope, but there's no such thing as a jackalope. Yes. Remember that? Uh-huh. There's something he was out hunting and a jackalope attacked him. And yeah. that story is completely bogus because there's no such thing as a jackalope. He must have had a little bit too much Billy beer that he day. He did, and I had that beer <laughs> a long time ago, and it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it, it tastes like if you took mud and vinegar and mix it in with an Anheuser Bush Natural Life with a little bit of pepper, lime, and shit. So, I, uh, I saw a show recently. Uh, it's kind of a car enthusiast show, and uh, these three hosts went over to China to drive around uh, and explore it. And they, uh, it's amazing. What do you think of? You know, what do you picture when you think of a Chinese city? Oh, it's like huge uh, skyscrapers stuck next to each other, small. 
Yeah, yeah, that's they they showed the uh, the city. It's a city I hadn't even heard of, and it's just enormous. I mean, it looks like a much more newer New York. It looks like Dubai. I mean, it's just the wealth is insane. Just this enormous city, and uh, as they drove out, they started uh, heading down the highways. And they said the, the the Chinese are are putting in just thousands and thousands of new miles of highway every year, and it's just this massive nationwide road construction. Every, say, 30 seconds or so, you drive under an overhang over the road that takes pictures of you. Multiple, multiple flash pictures, about seven or eight for each car driving under. And about 30 seconds later, you're driving under another one. So you're driving, you're constantly having your photograph taken. And somewhere, somebody analyzes all of those photographs to see if you've got your seatbelt on, if you have both hands on the wheel, are you talking on your cell phone? Uh, they said one of the more common uh, citations they have to issue is people pleasuring themselves or others while driving. <laughs> yeah. Well, that reminds me. You know the man who jumps turnstiles? You know where he's going to? Bangkok. But imagine that in this country, if you're driving down the road and more more frequently than every aisle, you were getting your picture taken a couple dozen times. You think people would in this country would put up with that? No. But in China, you have no choice. So well, this goes back you said when you masturbate, you might be said yeah. the other day on the horrible question. <laughs> yes. So you're looking at me? Why? How dare you? Get out of here! It's my private time. Well, one of the troubles that the the car hosts uh, got into was they were running out of gas. So, you know, these exit sign would say, it's like, oh, you know, here's... So all the all the signs are in, in Mandarin. And then, so they don't read Mandarin. And they have no idea. So they look for the little gas pump logo. It's like, okay, this exit, gas pump logo. They pull off, and the gas station is there, but it's under construction. So they get back on, and they go to the next one. It says, okay, gas station here. They pull off again. The gas station's there, but they haven't gotten their fuel delivered yet. So they have nothing to sell. They go on to the next one. It's like one after the another. They put up all the signs saying, here's the gas station, but they haven't built the gas stations yet. Oh, wow. And they finally, they found one and managed to fill up. And while they were standing there, I said, okay, we're on this side, and we have like three lanes going our direction and three lanes going the other direction. On the other side of this river is a highway just as big. A second highway just on the other side of that river. That's how many cars they're expecting to have travel. They're expecting their population to just buy millions and millions of cars. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, China currently is the number one producer of cars in the world. And China is also the number one consumer of cars in the world. You know, they can't even make enough cars to satisfy their own people. They have to import cars from other countries. Because Chinese people are buying cars like crazy. <laughs> Who knew that? In, in 2023, China is becoming the car culture. Oh, I believe that they've been headed towards, not not by their government, mm-hmm. but they've been headed towards Western influence for a long time. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's natural. I think what they want to find it in life because they work on it. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, they've had a large you know, peasant culture for a lot of their history. Um, and now I think a, a lot of the Chinese people are like, let's let's get some of these Western conveniences and influences, but keep the communist control so no one makes a profit anywhere. And that's where the trouble yeah. yeah. See, in the U.S., we have trouble that everyone's trying to make more and more profit. In China, they have trouble that everyone wants more and more bribes and payoffs. So you have the same amount of money leakage. Two douchebags and a microphone. More fun than a taser to the juggler bag. Hey, where'd everybody go? Where the douchebags? Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, I'm glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells.